Welcome and welcome. We're about to launch into the ABSA podcast series called On Duty. Thank you for joining. Here we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's exciting. Uh, the very first ABSA podcast series is here. Uh, episode one, none other than the Richard Stokes, CEO of ABSA. A few of you might be thinking, why, why, why a podcast? What's this all about? Well, for many many people in boarding, many heads of boarding, uh, many families, it, they're located in various destinations around Australia and traveling in a car, in a plane, by a boat um, can take a, a long period of time. Um, and what better way to listen to a podcast um, during those travels? So here we are, we're trying to offer our members another avenue um, to, to engage with ABSA. So on to you, Richard. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. For those that don't know you, can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, um my uh, life has been really very much focused on boarding, or two-thirds of my life has. Uh, I turned 60 last year, uh, and I started working in boarding when I was 19. So I was very privileged to be able to go to an independent school, much like uh, all, most of our boarding schools are. Um, my parents weren't all that wealthy, to be honest, but uh, I was lucky enough to get an academic scholarship to go through school for the five years that I was there. Um, love school, absolutely fell in love with school. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, maybe teaching is the trick. So I went off to uni to do a teaching degree. And, um, and three years in, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder whether I really want to be a teacher. So I took a year off and worked full time in a boarding school. And that's where it happened. <laughs> you sound like there's, um, the, the, the way you speak about that's where it happened. It means a lot to you. I does. I, I look. I, I fell into a hole, to be honest, a hole that's as big as you could ever imagine. I absolutely loved working in boarding. You know, in fact, if you asked me today, would I go back? If I wasn't married and I didn't have a wife who liked having me at home, yes, I would. First off, I'd go back and run a boarding school to, to, to tomorrow. Does she like having you at home? Oh, she, oh well, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's learned to during this COVID time. <laughs> and so. Um, You'd go back any day you mentioned? Oh yeah, I'd go back and run a boarding house any day. I really enjoyed the connection that I was able to develop with kids. Um, You know, I I count amongst some of my greatest friends, uh, some of the, what were, you know, kids that I looked after. They're 50 year old men now, uh, but they're really close friends because I got to know them and their families so well. Uh, It's that connection that you get in boarding that you don't get in the classroom. It's that connection that you get in boarding that give that used to give me energy for my job every day. Yeah, wow. And so you still stay in touch with a fair few of the board at your well, boards? I reckon I've got about, I'm going to say, a 1,000 Facebook friends, and more than 800 are my exporters. <laughs> Goodness me. Wow. I, it, it's a really weird experience. I get times when I'm, uh, you know, I can remember sitting at the, at the hairdresser, you know, ready to get my hair cut, at the barber get, ready to get my hair cut, uh, a couple of months ago, and a guy walked in and he said, oh, Richard, I haven't seen you for ages. You've just been away on holidays. And I thought to myself, how the hell do you know that? But he was one of my exporters, and he's been stalking me on Facebook. <laughs> and so you spent a number of years inboarding. Um, tell us a little bit about ABSA and how ABSA got started. Well, it's actually got a really long story. Uh, it's an interesting one in some ways. 
When I first started working at St Peter's Lutheran College in Brisbane back in 1982, uh, we, uh, we were making it up as we went along. Um, one of the people I was talking to this week called it MSU, making shit up. Uh, and I'm going to remember that because I think it's a good story. And, and I think I was too. I was a 21-year-old. I was assistant senior housemaster. We had 180 boys to look after. Uh, I had one other senior staff member who was 24. And we had uh, five junior staff. They're all 19-year-old university students. We used to work ridiculous hours looking after those kids. Um, you know, but but that, that whole concept was there. And it was during that time, you know, that we started to say maybe there are other people doing this job too, who would where, where we could share ideas. So in nineteen about nineteen eighty five, a few of us started to get together and uh, have dinner together once a term. Go and have a look at a boarding school, go for a walk through, uh, and then have dinner together and share ideas. And that's probably where the concept of ABSA came from. And so it was in 1987 that we actually formed the Boarding Staff Association. Mm. So it was, in fact, called the Queensland Residential School Staff Association. Uh, and uh, we, we, there were a group of us who, who took on leadership roles, and really all it was was about getting people together to talk about things in a local sense. We uh, ran our first conference in the early 90s because we said, you know, what we need to do is, is get all these people uh, from all around Australia to come together to do this so that we could afford to run a conference. And I remember we ran that here in Brisbane. It was actually Brisbane's coldest August day ever. Um, <laughs> what was it, we what was it, 25? No, yeah. <laughs> no, I reckon it was about like six maximum all day. Yeah, it was yeah. freezing in the big hall that we were at at the school. Uh, so we actually had to hire a heater and you know, improve <laughs> things. And you know, So we ran our first conference. Uh, that sort of bubbled along for a while, but um, you know, the, the impetus to develop uh, ABSA as a schools association sort of started in the early 2000s. Um, I spent quite a bit of time talking with Tim Hawkes, who was the head at uh, the King's School in those days. He uh, had written a uh, one book course called Duty of Care and was working to try and market that to boarding schools. Uh, he and I talked and talked and talked. Uh, to the stage that in 2007 we actually formed ABSA as it exists today. Yeah, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's blossom, certainly blossomed into... Well, yeah, I, I, even I sit back and think, how the hell did we get to where we are now? <laughs> you know, um, in 13 years. So it was uh, 2nd of October, we celebrated our birthday with a, a lunch, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Happy birthday. Um, and it was really good fun. So, you know, we looked back and I thought, who would have ever thought that this is what I'd be doing for my life? Yeah. Uh, not not being a, a teacher at a school or running a boarding house. And so, just on that, obviously you had a full-time teaching load, you had a you were running a boarding house, and you were trying to set up this so cool, this beast that it's turned into. How did you juggle the three of those? Well, it's interesting. If I look at the times that I was actually, you know, running the association, but you know, whatever, publishing lights out, because it too has been going since 1987. Um, every now and then, when things got heavy, particularly when we we're running a conference and I had a you know a big pile of uh, of registrations come in, I used to take a sickie to be able to process them. That's <laughs> that's basically how I coped. Otherwise, I just did it in my spare time, seriously. But so as we your set formal up, boss isn't listening. Eh? No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> as we actually set up the association itself, so I finished actually working in direct boarding in two, at the end of two thousand and five, and so that gave me two thousand and six and the first part of two thousand and seven to form the association as it is, to write the constitution, to go through the legal ramifications of setting that up, 
to get a committee who was on board to make it happen, you know, to, to get our states to commit to it, you know, all those sort of processes. So whilst I wasn't uh, working in boarding, that gave me an amazing amount of time. And sorry to all those people who were just full-time teachers listening, but I found full-time teaching almost a boring job because it was only, you know, because it was only really a, a very limited amount of time where boarding just takes over your life. So I had plenty of time to do it. Right, fair enough. So fast forward to, to today, um, you've got a hundred percent membership across all schools. What 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 drives you to continue to want ABSA to be better? Why why not just sit back on you and rest on your laurels? Well, I don't think we're anywhere near where we should be. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think our boarding schools uh, in in the world face is that uh, we are uh, ch- challenged with a very important task. We're looking after other people's kids. And so I think one of the things that we have to all concentrate on is making sure that we do the very best job that we can to make their life the best it can be. Now, if that's the case, you probably can't rest on your laurels because you can always get better at what you do. Mm. And as an association, like I think our primary, primary role is to make sure that staff can do their job well. You know, that, that, that is really important. So training about staff, running professional development, there's so much to learn. And in fact, you know, to be honest with you, out of the 4,000 boarding staff we have in Australia, there's probably only about 1,000 so far who are really connected with the concept of learning about boarding, that professional development, which gives me 3,000 to win over yet still. <laughs> um, I'm also challenged a bit because I work very closely with my counterparts in both the US and in the UK. And I think we do a better job than they do, and I find that challenge uh, something I want to keep up. Hmm. The competition, eh? Mm. It's always good. Um, so looking forward again, what's your vision for ABSA in the next five, ten years? Um, the reality is that ABSA will become uh, the premier training and professional development opportunity for all boarding staff. Now, once upon a time, you know, pre-COVID even, I would have said that was by running lots of events around the country and getting people to come together and doing those sort of bits and pieces. Uh, it's interesting what uh, being grounded has taught me. Uh, I think we can do a much better job of providing professional development for this region in the world. And there I'd include many of the schools in New Zealand who've engaged with us, the schools in Singapore, in Malaysia, uh, India, uh, Armenia. I can't believe that they've actually been part of it too. And we're about to start working with a school in Bosnia, which is just unbelievable too. They find our time zones really easy to work with, which is great. And they love the offerings that we do. Uh, developing online learning platform uh, is something I've dabbled with only since um, since the middle of March. Uh, and, I dro- and I wrote a course and about 500 people have done that so far and that's been an impetus for me to work out ways that we can do that better mm-hmm. so that we can make the person who's running the boarding houses job easier to, do, you know, to develop better programs for looking after kids so they don't have to spend most of their time inducting staff and training staff and whatever because that's outsourced to us. Mm. Oh, very good, exciting. Mm. Um, you went on 137 flights last year. With that vision in mind, do you see that number reducing, staying the same, or increasing? Well, I haven't been on a plane since March, <laughs> uh, and it's really weird, actually. Uh, that that's, The scenario is, I think, that we can, uh, we've can we learned to do things better. Uh, and I don't even say, well, and smarter, better and smarter. I don't even say that uh, I think that uh, people will get sick of online learning or whatever. People have learned that online learning is incredibly valuable, and they can do it at a time that suits them well. 
You know, they don't have to do it right in the middle of the day. They don't have to spend, you know, the whole day away from school or their classes or their boarding house. They don't have to do a day's learning and then go and do a night's duty and be exhausted by the end of it. They can actually do it um, when when it suits them. Mm. Uh, and that's something that we've probably done a better job of. Further, you know, Australia is a pretty, um, a w- pretty big country. And one of the things that we've always struggled with is making sure that our regional boarding schools get, get excellent service from us too. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you know, the school in Broome should be getting the same service as the school in Sydney. Um, and so we've been really good at doing that and those schools have become even more engaged because it's so much easier for them to reach out. So I, I'm thinking maybe not so many flights. Uh, doesn't mean I'm not keen on face-to-face events. I think there's a place for that. Uh, but I'm thinking that there's an alternative op- opportunity for people as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, one segment that we're, we're, we've in, we're including is called Fast Five. Uh, now, what this is, Richard, is where we've had a few of our listeners uh, sending send questions prior to the podcast. Um, some are boarding-related, some are completely not boarding-related. Um, so as, as, as quick as you can on the top of your head. So, ready? Yep. Question one. Are you ever grumpy? You've been referred to as the most positive human on the planet. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I am. Um, grumpiness, though, isn't a relationship to stress. I think the most important thing about anger is that I'm always in control. Right? So I've learnt that if I am angry, it's time to walk away and cool down first. Question two. The best boarding house setup you have seen? That's an impossible question to answer. Uh, and and the reason I say that is because it depends. You know, like I know uh, we were talking to the head uh, of one of our primary boarding schools the other day and I actually made the comment it's one of my favourite places to go and visit. It's probably not the best boarding setup. I just like the feel of the place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and boarding is so much about the personality of the person who's running it. So, you know, it does depend. It depends on the, the way the wind's blowing as to how I feel that day. <laughs> Question three. The favourite ABSA conference that you have run? Oh, that's easy. The one we did in Alice Springs. I reckon the, uh, the social event that we ran out at the quarry in the, uh, in the bulldust mm. uh, was something I'll never forget. People still talk about uh, but, you know, it's interesting because they talk about that also in relation to the fact that we looked after what I say are the three important groups of kids in boarding, our isolated kids, our international kids, and our Indigenous kids. And we had speakers on each of those at that conference, and everybody got to hear all of them in smaller groups. So it was actually a really, really good conference. Um, my whole aim in conferences, interestingly, is to put together something that I would have been happy to go to. Uh, so therefore I always try and focus on something that's really worthwhile yeah awesome question four we, we know you you're a bit of a jet setter you, you enjoy a holiday with your lovely wife wife Karen uh, your favourite holiday destination oh Canada and it's not just because my son lives there uh, I know that sounds funny but like you know it's interesting uh, we uh, flew to visit one of my ex-boarders who lives in Calgary uh, we drove up the Icefields Parkway uh, which they say is the most beautiful drive in the world and I'd actually said to my wife, I don't want to backtrack, I'd rather go a different way. And she said, I think you want to backtrack. And I'm really glad she made me do it. <laughs> it's the, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Uh, yeah, so that certainly is that. But then I can also remember sitting um, under the stars at a, an uh, unbelievable six-star dinner near Uluru, uh, where I did drink too much, I'll be honest. And ate too much, but I'll never forget that night either. So, you know, there's two very diverse locations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and question five, last question of our fast five segment. 
You've obviously got a very, very strong relationship with Tom. You've been working with each other for the best part of eight or nine years now. Um, have you got a little story that you can share about him? That, that's an interesting question because, yeah, lots. Maybe some that I can't share here. Um, to be honest with you, like I look back, uh, and this is this is a true story. I look back. One of my favourite memories of Tom was back uh, in his first year of working with us. So he started working in May um, uh, of 2012. And uh, we were running a, a, a day's conference in Tasmania at Launceston Church Grammar School. And it would have been about June or July, so not long after. And I made him get up and actually speak and pre- present on, I can't even remember the topic. And I do remember at the end of that, he was so nervous, unbelievable. There was a whole group of people, did a remarkable job for a young man who hated speaking in public. And I remember him coming off the stage afterwards and saying to me, I'll never, ever speak in public again. <laughs> Uh, and now you look at him, yeah, like uh, you know that that it, it was a funny day, and the people who were there still actually talk about that day. Yeah, wow. credit to you both there. Um, just on the story storytelling note, uh, we we know that you love to tell a story, sometimes over and over. People hear it multiple times, um, and we know listeners love hearing a story. So, do you have any have a story out there that no one may have heard? Well, uh, no, probably most of our listeners have never heard this. I know you probably have. Uh, <laughs> one of my favourite end-of-year stories. Uh, we, we, uh, one of the things that I spent a lot of time doing uh, when I was running the boarding school at Nudgee was actually developing a culture of, um, and, and, and traditions in farewell. Uh, pre- pre- previous to my time, muck-up day and, the, and that concept of damaging things was part of their history. And I was determined not to let that happen. So for a few years, we had to do a pretty tough time. But we developed a, um, a beautiful um, liturgy uh, and tradition of the kids. They'd go to the chapel, and we actually did our whole thing in silence. Um, the kids spent a lot of time saying farewell to each other, you know, just by hugging. You know, these are year 12 boys, 17-year-old men, you know, like. And, and they walked out of that chapel in tears. And what I'd set up was we had a... Um, a tunnel of the other 500 borders between the chapel and the grandstand across the main oval. And the kids walked through that in silence. Uh, you know, it was just the most unbelievable experience. Interestingly, not something I knew as much as the night that I finished at Nudgee and the boys made me walk with them. I experienced that the same way. We then did some cheering and we did some farewells and we, we went down to a bonfire. So we're sitting around the bonfire telling stories about the year. You know, the kids loved that. They had a really good opportunity to sit around, tell stories. And all of a sudden there was a whistle. Now we thought, I thought, what's the whistle for? You know, what's going on here? Now, Nachi had a very big bingo uh, uh, program. And, uh, and lots of the old people who came to bingo on that night, that Wednesday night, drove out along the road not far from where we were running our... our um, our uh, bonfire. The Year 12s had set up to uh, to take all their clothes off and do a nudie run along the bingo traffic after that. And then they came back to the bonfire and we laughed and thought, you know, we're going to get some complaints the next day. Uh, all we got was comments uh, that came from those people to say how much fun it looked like the kids were having and how fun it was. So that's a, that's a, a one of those stories I haven't told too many people. <laughs> and so did bingo numbers increase? Oh, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I think they went up. There were a lot of people who said, I'm going back. <laughs> No, that's a great story. Um, and just to conclude our, our first podcast, um, we just want to know for the viewers five top tips in boarding. And I know that that could be quite hard. That's, that's an impossible that's question. Impossible. Um, so first of all, I think uh, remembering that 
that those ki- that the importance of looking after other people's kids. Uh, I think that's a really critical thing to do. The second thing for me is to remember that um, that kids are inherently not bad. They make dumb choices from time to time, and I think our job is to help them uh, make better choices. And, and associated with that, I think the third tip is that your job should not be to catch kids doing things wrong. It should be to increase the risk in the first place so that they make the right choice. Uh, That helps. Number four, it's actually all about positive relationships. So the time and energy that you put into developing positive relationships with the kids and their families pays off tenfold, both uh, both for the good kids and the bad ones. And when when, when things go wrong, you're in such a healthy situation because you've got to do that you've got that relationship with those kids in a positive way. And the last one for me is uh, that it's a team. You're a team, member of a team. And uh, there's nothing more damaging than a staff member who goes off on their own tangent, mm-hmm. makes up their rules, or talks to the kids as if they don't believe in the rules that were set. There's a time and a place to change rules, and it's definitely not with the kids. <laughs> no, thank you for that. It really sounds, sounds like, it, in summary, it's all about relationships. Oh, it is. Absolutely all about relationships. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Richard, that brings an end to it to our podcast this afternoon. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Fabulous. Bit of an insight into your background, uh, personal background, and also your boarding background. Um, I think we'd all agree and congratulate you on what you've set up with ABSA. Uh, and we look forward to watching that continue to grow into the future. Um, to the listeners out there, thank you for joining our first podcast. Um, please subscribe to the ABSA podcast page on Apple Podcasts. And we look forward to providing a podcast too next Friday. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of On Duty. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next week.